All right, we are going to continue in this message series. We just got started last week. We're calling this Every Day. We're looking at, at uh, five things that the, that the early church either practiced or that the scripture commands us to do on a daily or at least regular, consistent, ongoing, continuous basis. So we call this series Every Day. And uh, last week we looked at Jesus' command to take up our cross and follow him every day, that it's a daily decision to kind of re-up our decision to follow Jesus Christ. And, and today we're talking about gathering together, every day, gathering together. And to do that, we're going to turn to Acts chapter 2 and picking up at 42. Let me give you that. As you find that, if you've got a Bible with you, you're in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. If Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are sort of the story of the life and ministry of Jesus, including his birth, death, death and resurrection, the book of Acts is the story of the birth an explosion of the church, how the church formed, how the church grew, and how the, how the gospel of Jesus Christ spread to the known world and at that time. And so that's what, what the book of Acts is all about. It's historic. Acts chapter 2 recounts that God sent the Holy Spirit in a, in a powerful way to his people who then um, began to just share the gospel from there. They were empowered by the filling of the Holy Spirit. And that is what formed or birthed the church on that day, that what we call the day of Pentecost. Uh, as so many people were gathered in Jerusalem for a festival, uh, 3,000 people committed their lives to Jesus Christ, were baptized, and began to be his followers. So you have an instant mega church from the very beginning, the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, give us a, a, a snapshot, give us a glimpse into what their life together was like. How did they practice? How did they function at the very first church? And so I want to read that for you. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42. He writes this. He says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. And they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So these are our uh, Jewish background believers. These are Jews who have turned to Jesus the Messiah, put their faith in him. And there is so much packed in there, but I'm just going to zero in on verses 46 and 47, which is they worship together at the temple each day, daily. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were saved. So there's two each day. There's two daily things happening there. There's the daily gatherings and the daily growth of the church. Um, now, whether or not we could actually gather daily, just in the way we live our, our busy lives, we're kind of spread around, we're, we're distanced, we don't live in little villages together or small cities. Um, the, 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 the point or the application for us is that this sense of gathering is a regular occurrence. It's, it's consistent, even continuous. 
Um, regular as in ongoing, not regular as in when the dentist asks me, the hygienist asks me if I've been flossing regularly. Um, that's different. Regularly on the night before I have my dental appointment. Um, not what she has in mind, right? Where anytime there's been a significant revival movement, what in- instinctively happens or immediately happens, they have service meetings start happening every day. People just want to be there. They just want to gather. They just want to be in the presence of God and the presence of God's people. So in what we just read, there's two kinds of gatherings. There's the large kind of public gathering, the at the temple gathering uh, for gospel proclamation. The way the temple was set up is that you have obviously the temple where the, the sacrifices and rituals would take place. But there was also a large area in that time. It was called Sol- Solomon's Colonnade. It was basically a big outdoor covered space that people could gather and have conversations and discussions. And, and in their case, they, they probably were gathering there, but making a regular habit of being at the temple. And then the, the other kind were these smaller home-based Fellowship gatherings, they were having meals, they were teaching one another, they were, you know, edifying each other, building each other up. So both are essential. Both have been practiced through the centuries across cultures uh, by God's people. Now, the very word church means assembly or a called out gathering. If you want to get fancy, you can pull up the Greek word. uh, And I only do that because it's very similar to Spanish and Tagalog. uh, Ecclesia or Iglesia. In, in Spanish, the very definition of church is to assemble, to gather together. Now, there are plenty of reasons why we neglect to gather, why we don't gather. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm talking mostly outside of a COVID-19 pandemic uh, experience. So obviously everything is has been uh, turned upside down uh, somewhat. But... Um, but there's, there's reasons why we wouldn't. Surely it's not convenient. I mean, it would have been more convenient to just stay home this morning, stay in your pajamas, just enjoy your morning, whatever. Um, it's, uh, sometimes it's boring. Sometimes the guy talks too long or you don't really like the music or sometimes we do weird things, um, odd, odd things, you know, like. I will say this. One thing I'm a little happy about COVID-19 is it's probably killed hand-holding in church. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, am, I, I don't love the hand-holding. I've got to be honest with you. It's just, 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 well, I just don't love it. Right? And so you think, ah, oh, you know, sometimes church does weird stuff. Or some folks have had a bad experience. Someone, someone said something or did something that was, that was hurtful or embarrassing or or gossiped about you, and, and, and it, it didn't feel good. Others, you know, you, someone was just oversensitive or misinterpreted something. You said, we could go on and on. There's all kinds of reasons why someone might say, I'm never going back to that place. I'm never going to church. I was forced to go as a kid. Whatever. You come up with whatever long list. Then there's the whole, well, my church is in the mountains argument. Or, or well, I don't need to attend church to be a Christian argument. But friends, I have yet to see a disconnected believer who is fruitful in their spiritual life. It's like, we, you know, the Bible talks about us. We are, a, we are the body of Christ. And, you know, you think about the parts of your body. Like, my arm is only useful if it's attached to my body. And it it's, can't do much if it's detached. So this whole sense of, uh, of being attached, being a part of God's body, 
having the point of gathering regularly. Now, we typically gather inside there. Some of you have been attending here just since we've been either online or outdoors, and you've actually never seen a worship service inside that building. And um, it's, just a, it's just a building. It's not the dwelling place of God. God doesn't live in that house. It's a sacred space. We've set it, as, we've set it apart for worship. We've set it apart for, for um, you know, the glory of God and for his praise. It's a tool, though. It's not where God lives. You, in fact, are the church anytime you gather. So, dropping out of church is nothing new. It's an old, old issue. Even within probably the first 50 years of the church, um, Christians were kind of neglecting to gather together. In fact, the, the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews 10.25, he said it this way. He said, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. In other words, they were neglecting to meet together. That's why he had to say, don't do that. Stop neglecting this. Get yourselves together. And this was just one generation after Pentecost. His point is that the very act of gathering was an encouragement. I tell you, Sunday by Sunday, as I've been here, I've been built up. Just by seeing you, just by being in your presence, by being together, I go on with that. Oh, it's great this morning. Oh, it's just so good to be with God's people. And I look forward to it through the week. It's so important. It's valuable. Um, I, I love being with the body of Christ. Uh, even, for example, when, when Becky and I are on vacation, we try to get to a local church. Maybe not each and every time, but we're generally pretty good about it. And uh, I love it. We've seen a variety of churches that way. We've seen different ways people worship and uh, heard good messages. Um, these days, there are so many good options, even online. You get to kind of listen in on what other, what's happened in other churches. And so uh, it is just great to be with God's people. All right. So there's all kinds of reasons why we don't gather, why we neglect to gather. Let's talk about why we do meet together, as Scripture says daily. Because the normative experience for believers across centuries and cultures has been to assemble. And the enemies of God's people are always looking for ways to quench, to squelch, to shut down, to, 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 to stop the meeting of the church. It, sometimes in, in certain regimes, it's been tearing down buildings. It's been enacting laws against gathering together, public assembly, all those things. The enemies of, of God, the enemies of the church are always been trying to shut down. Why? Because they know there's such value in you being together. It's powerful. Now, we're not going to cover, we're not going to cover all the reasons why we gather, but I want to um, say this, for example. So if you're taking notes, you can write this one down. You might think this is kind of a weird reason, but one of the reasons we gather together is we gather for the blessing of routine. Let me say that again. We gather for the blessing of routine. Now, why would I say that? Routine is boring, right? Who likes routine? It's just like, oh, same old, same old, predictable. But routine has value. I don't, have you ever been late getting out the door for something because you couldn't find your keys and you, you put, placed them somewhere and you didn't go through the routine of hanging your keys up where you are supposed to always hang your keys up when you came home the day before and now you can't. Now you're scrambling. That routine is really valuable. 
right? Routines of, of when and how you, you brush your teeth or, or charge your phone or, or call your mom, right? Those things give your life some stability and some ease. Don't, don't have disdain for routine in your life. It's valuable. Routine allows you to use your mind productively because you've removed the stress of making those, those small daily decisions like, you know, where to hang your jacket or where to, to stow your shoes, it's already, it's already decided, and so you're removing that stress from your life. But here's how it applies to church. When church attendance is only an event, like going to a movie or going out for dinner, right? then it's always up for replacement with something more pressing. So you might love church. You might love being here. You want to be here. But again, if it's not a routine, if it's just kind of an event, hey, should we go to church today? Then something like Saturday's undone chores take over and say, well, I really got to get my Saturday chores done. And it pushes your worship gathering aside. And especially young families with kids. You know, I love that we've been able to accommodate in this season. Families, we've got the play yard. Kids can be there. I love it. I, I definitely do not mind happy noise, the sounds of life over there. I'm very cool with that. I think it's great. Next week, we'll actually be able to do Kids Church on that space uh, with Pastor Annette. And I'm so looking forward to that. But especially with kids, this predictability of, well, we go to church on Sunday. We, we have small group on Thursday. Whatever it is, that helps avoid the battles of getting out the door. It's to say, it's what we do. is not a bad answer. Why do we go to church? Right? It's a good and a healthy Routine that encourages, again, as we just saw in Hebrews 10.25, that encourages simply by the act of gathering, simply by being together, you're encouraged, you're helped, you're built up, and your presence helps others, which is um, we're, we're going to get to in a moment. So I, I've sometimes heard, and, and this includes you, maybe, maybe this has been your experience, but I've heard uh, people say, yeah, I, I just, you know, I've, I got out of attending church for, you know, a year, two years, ten years. You moved, you changed jobs, something shifted in your life, and a couple of weeks away and needing to find a new church turned into six weeks and turned into six months, and all of a sudden, man, I haven't been in church for three years. It, it's so easy to fall out of that, and I judge no one for that. I get it. I understand how that happens. So that's why we make that decision to embrace the blessing of routine. But routine's not the only reason. We gather, and I would say this is the main thing, we gather to give and we gather to receive. We gather to give and to receive. And I think this flies against our sort of Western consumer mindset. So, for example, uh, how, how many of us went to, let's say, how many of us went to Costco yesterday? How many Costco shoppers yesterday? Okay, yeah. And when you went to Costco yesterday, did you go for their benefit or for your benefit? Yes, they got your money albeit discounted, but, you know, you now have six bottles of toilet cleanser that's going to supply you for a while, right? Like, you went for your benefit. That's why you, you went to meet your needs. And so that's a consumer mindset. And so that's opposite of what we do here in the gathering of God's people. See, you and your family, you gain from being here if only to gather with people who are generally moving in the right direction in life. But Acts 2.42, the 47, what we just read here, it draws the curtain back on this 
remarkable cooperative life in the early church because it says they were worshiping together, they were praying together, they were eating together, they were sharing goods, sharing property, they were witnessing miracles, they were leading others to Jesus. The church was growing every day because of it. They gathered to be a blessing before receiving a blessing. They came with this expectation of, of giving. And so that key word, verse 42, you go back to that, verse 42 says they um, devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. They gave themselves to these things. Devotion is not passive. Devotion is active. It's an ongoing commitment that even when I don't feel like it, I'm devoted. I'm going to keep doing this. Some of you are devoted to, to, to fitness. Some of you are devoted to your to your education. You're, you don't feel like it. You're not loving that class right now, but you're devoted to it. You're going to carry on. You're going to keep going, right? An active commitment. And so it comes with this attitude or this this sense of contribution it it starts with well what could i give before we ask what can i get there's a handful of people here from as early as before six this morning i think started by setting up equipment music team came they were practicing some other people came and set up chairs some of you came to to help greet and and welcome us. Some of you are going to stick around after the service. By the way, we could use your help to, um, a few of you want to stick around. We're going to move all this gear. has got to get restaged up front. Right? So you, you come with this, this attitude of giving and serving. You think about parents. I, I learned something a number of years ago that, that parents think about their kids more than the kids think about their parents. How many of you know that's true? It's only the parents raising their hands, right? Because... Um, you think, well, what are you talking about? I want you to know, those of you who still have parents alive, your parents think about you probably every day. And you think about your parents once in a while. That's okay. That's normal. That's typical. That's not a, it's not a bad thing. But I, I love my parents, and I'm, I'm shifting as, as they're getting older. I'm shifting, kind of trying to figure out how best to care for them. They live a long way away. But I will tell you this, my parents are devoted to me. They think about me. They pray for me. They, they call me and they say, well, we're praying for you again today and, and, and on, ongoing. And um, I don't know what to make of this. My dad told me yesterday, and he's probably going to watch this. He said, um, well, we'll pray for you that your sermon will be good tomorrow. <laughs> Thanks, I think. Um, all right. Um, I know what he meant. I know what he meant. But, and I understand, there's also a cultural difference that's going on between, you know, what we're reading in the Bible and today. Life in ancient times was definitely more corporate, more group-oriented. We're very individualized. Yeah. Their, their lifestyle was much more daily. Uh, they didn't have refrigeration. They didn't have big grocery stores. And so, you know, we go, you might go to, to Winco once a week and stock up. They had to go to the market every day and and milk the goat every day, and collect the eggs every day. So they, they had a more daily routine to their life. I, I get that. But, but at the same time, it doesn't change the fact that in terms of consistent, continuous, regular gathering, we make a simple shift when we, when we gather from consuming to contributing. Okay, what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean is, is this. Let's talk about what you bring to the gathering of God's people rather than starting with what we receive right you bring let's start with this you bring your heart for worship you bring your heart for worship what i mean by that as you participate as you are here you're engaged you're lifting your voice 
to him. You're participating. You're active. And as you do that, you think, boy, that, you know, I'm hearing other voices around me and that's helping me, right? So your contribution is actually helping others in their worship. You bring your heart for worship. You bring, you bring your hands. You bring your hands to serve. We already talked a little bit about that, the practical stuff, the, the, the getting involved stuff. You bring your voice to encourage. So you're going to speak to build others up as you see your friends after, afterwards or you're going to meet somebody new for the first time. You're going to say, hey, it's really nice to meet you. Or, hey, I just, you know, maybe it's a friend. Hey, I really appreciated the way you did such and such. I was with the men's, men's group yesterday morning where the, the, the men's league practice. And, uh, you know, I want to tell the guys that, that, that were in my circle, boy, I just really valued our, our, our discussion together. You bring your voice to encourage. You bring your faith to pray. You bring your faith to pray. I'd love to see us get to the point where as we're, you know, milling around after the service that, that as you're encountering one another and, and your friend is sharing something, of a, a concern in their life or something they're praising God for, that you would have the freedom and flexibility just to say, hey, let's just pray about that right now. You don't have to, don't have to come to the pastor. You don't have to go to some expert. Just, just people bringing your faith to pray. You know, back to our, our men's uh, uh, group yesterday. Come on in, Todd. We've got a spot for you. Sit right up front. This is my friend Todd. All right. Uh, you know, the most valuable time of our, of our couple hours together yesterday was, was an hour and a half together, was, was when we prayed for each other around the circle. It, it built up my faith when others shared their faith with me. Right. You bring your faith to pray. You bring your ears to hear, hearing what God's saying from his word, hearing the voice of the spirit prompt you, convict you, help you, guide you. You bring your mind to learn. You're contributing your 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 thinking, your engagement. You're you're saying, wow, you know, how am I going to take what's from the word and apply it into my life this week? How is this going to help me make a difference in all those things? As we gather, Jesus is present Right here in our midst, Jesus said, when you gather, even if it's two or three of you, but you're gathering in my name, I'm there with you. You know, we're gathered in the name of Jesus this morning. So Jesus is present with you right now. Jesus is here. He's present. His Holy Spirit is moving. So it's, it, we get the opportunity to respond to that. So that's all the things that you bring, you contribute, your heart, your hands, your voice, your faith, your ears, your mind. You could extend that list if you wanted to. But, but there's one, the third thing I just want to talk about in our gathering and kind of why we gather is that, and I would hope for this, that you would grow and be equipped for the mission of making disciples, which is what we're called to do. And so you can write this down. We gather to grow and go. We gather to grow and to go. You see what happened there in verse 47 we just read, right? And all the while... Praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. It is easy to forget that we are on mission. That your life as a follower of Jesus is a missional life. Your life is on mission for Him. And when we forget that we're on mission, you know what happens? We turn inward. We, that, 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 that even if we're gathering faithfully... We aren't developing fruitful disciples because it's just about me. It's just about kind of our circle. But instead, we ought to grow. That's the normative experience of the church. The church 
ought to grow. And if we're not growing, we ought to ask, well, why not? What are we missing? What are we, what are we not being faithful at? The church does not grow because it's got great programs as, as, as helpful and as attractive as those may be. A church doesn't grow because it's, it's got nice lights and a great worship team. All those things are true of Bethany Church, and I'm really grateful for those things. A church grows because people are living out their faith in the everyday world. And people encounter that and say, wow, I, I want to experience what you have. Tell me more. Help me understand what, you're, what you believe. I want to be a part of that. That's how the church grows. And so my goal as your pastor is to, to equip you to live for Jesus in a way that, that helps others to follow Jesus. Helps others to find and follow Jesus. That's, that would be my hope and desire that you're being equipped for that. Equipped to grow spiritually. Equipped to go even to the ends of the earth. To go to all the world and share the good news. To be intentional about seeing this gathering as the place to grow and to grow. Grow and to go. When Jesus left and then sent the Holy Spirit, he actually didn't give instruction about how to, how to conduct church meetings. He didn't say, you know, sing three hymns, have a prayer, a message, a benediction, go home. This is exactly what we're going to do this morning. He didn't say that. He, he, he left it to us, and he knew the Holy Spirit would instinctively guide people how to gather. In different churches, it's done different ways, and that's okay, right? The gathering is what became most natural and most instinctive, even though it was done different ways. Large group, small group, teaching, worship, prayer, fellowship, eating together. I think that's the thing I missed the most in our COVID time. We gather for the blessing of routine. We gather to receive as well as to give. We gather to grow and to go. I, I just want to kind of finish with with an illustration to maybe help us try to visualize what God's called us to be as the church and the value of the gathering together, the faithful gathering together of God's people. Um, I should have looked up the actual date, but it was about a month ago, maybe just a little bit over that. On a Saturday, on a Friday night, a, a fire started, a wildfire started called the Creek Fire. Is that fire exploded in size and force through Saturday. Um, in fact, that was Labor Day weekend. As, as so a month ago. Uh, by Sunday morning, there was some real concern. Some of, some of us, some of the members of our church family were, were, had properties that were being threatened. We began to wonder what's happening up there. Couldn't get news out. And it was later that we got news that that fire descended down into the Mammoth Pools area. And it just raced toward this campsite. Do you remember this story? And as those people were suddenly and unexpectedly threatened with this erratic, forceful, deadly, devastating fire, what did they do? They gathered together. They looked for a place of safety in a, in a world that was not safe. And they... They coalesced. They looked for those that were stranded, those that were lost. They carried those that had wounded, that had fallen and broken bones and, and got scraped up and tripped over things trying to get down to the lake. They, they huddled together. They shared what they had. They held in common you know, fresh water and, and, and ways to, to find shelter. They even got in the water if they needed to to, to spare their lives. They... 
gathered together as a group, as a body of diverse people that didn't even know each other and blessed and helped one another until they were raptured. Until those um, National Guard helicopters came in and rescued them. Friends, that's our mission as a church in a world that's on fire, in a world that's raging, in a world that's safe, we gather the lost, we gather the stranded, we gather the wounded. They belong in the fellowship. Those that are, are, are even difficult, those that have nothing and those that have a lot and that they share, they gather, they, they meet together, they build one another up until that day comes of the gathering away of God's people. And I want you to kind of imagine that scenario and think about that as, as a way of, listen, I wouldn't want to be alone in that, in that setting. I'm so glad that those 200 and, what was it, 210 people, 205 people that were rescued had a way of gathering together, supporting one another, strengthening one another. That's you and me. That's you and me. And then as you leave here today, I want you to be strengthened. I want you to be built up. I want you to understand that You are part of something that's much larger and much longer than the hour we spend together this morning. And to to look forward to the regathering until that day of rescue comes and Jesus calls us home. If you don't know Jesus personally, whether you're in this gathering, whether you're joining us online, whether you're hearing from afar, I want you to know this, that God loves you. He created you so that you could know Him and be in relationship with Him. But we are all separated from God by something called sin. We all do what is naturally rebellious toward God. It's doing things our own way instead of doing things God's way. And as much as we even we may have the sense of, i got to get to God, i got to get right with God, there's no way that we do that just on our own strength, just on our own wisdom. In fact, the Bible says our own self-righteousness is nothing but a filthy rag. But instead, God reaches to us. While every other religious system is trying to reach and strive to God in Christ, God reaches to us. He sent His one and only Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us, to pay the price for our sins so that we could be forgiven and that burden, that weight of guilt could be lifted off and we could be set free and have eternal life. But it's never forced on you. And it's never done automatically for you. It's your choice, your decision to say, Jesus, I trust in you to forgive my sin and make me right. If that's you, if you're at a place where you're ready to do that, it's really simple. In fact, we we have a a way of reminding ourselves here, and this is something you can practice if you share this with someone else. A, B, C. We A, admit I'm a sinner. I'm I'm, I'm apart from God. I need forgiveness. B, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died for my sin and rose again. And C, I commit to follow Him as the Lord and leader of my life all my days. But it's your choice, your decision. Nobody forces it on you. Let's pray together. God, we're just grateful that we can gather. And Lord, it's not as comfortable as the normal. There's no air conditioning out here. and The air quality is a little iffy and 
And, and Lord, we miss all the, the, the comforts that we've had, but we're gathered as your people today. Lord, some of our friends are gathered with us virtually online. Lord, we welcome this the opportunity to be as God's people. And Lord, we love it when we can be face-to-face or find other ways that we're connecting with each other so that we, that we can give of ourselves to one another so that we can receive the blessings that you have for us. So I thank you for your presence here in our midst today. Jesus, I thank you that as we've gathered in your name, you're here. And Lord, give us a, a love and a desire for gathering as your people. God, send us out this week as people on mission. People who will be a blessing in the places we go. People who will be peacemakers in the conversations that we enter. Lord, cause us to be people who are going to be just the fragrance of Christ, the presence of Jesus wherever we go. Lord, to be people who listen, who understand, who extend compassion. Lord, people who will be generous. People who will be forgiving. People who will be patient. And people who will be kind. God, let us be those people this week. We give you our praise in your name. Amen.